All right, so welcome back to a Generation Unplugged podcast. The podcast where you can come and hear anything from A to Z. We're so glad that you joined us here. The last episodes that we've had, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. So amazing. I love it when David Tyler gets on a rant because that brother can get on a rant and talk about the Holy Ghost. And Mick just comes in there and jabs you a couple times in the face. So I love it. We're going to come back to that. So we got Chuck with us uh, again on this episode and, and Miss Amy. We got Hope and we got Myrna over here with me. We are just going to tear this thing up tonight. And so we're going to do some challenging tonight. So I want to start this out, kingdom and culture. Whether people realize it or not, there is a culture out here. And I, it's funny because before we even got started here, uh, we were talking about this, uh, Myrna and I, and she said she was she was actually talking about the culture that's out here in the world. And I wasn't even considering that when I came in here because I was considering the culture of the church. There is a culture out here that is inherently, quote, unquote, Christian. So I want to deal with that right away. So you guys know that I'm a word geek. I can't help it. It's just kind of what I do. I wanted, I just want to get this definition out of the way so that we can talk about this because people out here may be thinking culture, what's the big deal, right? Okay, so culture, that's great, right? That's a good thing. Culture is just simply this. Um, I think this is from the Webster's Dictionary. It is the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. It's the characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. So I like this idea because the last time we were together, it's fun It's fun having people from different places in the nation, like Chuck, because he is, he is northern. And he, it's so funny because when I play these back, I'm like, wow. You don't, just, you don't catch his accent until... <laughs> Until he talks, you know. Uh, I'm not going to say nothing now. See? <laughs> and it's funny because culture, so think about it like uh, like this. So we, there's a southern culture, and then there's a northern culture. Mm-hmm. Just in the United States of America, let's just keep it generic and blanket right now. There is a southern culture, and then there's a northern culture. I went kind of on a quote-unquote mission trip to New York, to New York City. Oh, my word, was there a completely different culture there? And when I came home, I was like, oh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for, for coming back home to normal. But the normal is a culture. It's something I'm comfortable with. It's something I'm familiar with. And my surroundings and the people and experiences and so forth form that culture. Then we have kingdom. I feel like we really need to, to, to put this out here, too. A kingdom, and so I, there's several key words in here that I want us to hear, and I want you guys to, to sound off on. A kingdom is, is this. It is a politically organized community or major territorial unit having a monarchical form of government headed up by a king or a queen. And then it has some subs definitions under this. I, it blew me away because, like, I, I'm not making this up. This was in the dictionary. The, the sub definition to that main definition was this. The eternal kingship of God. I was like, what? Really? That's the next definition? I, it was blew me away. But then there's another sub under that. It is the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. Like, people know what this is about. And then it's this, a realm or region in which something is dominant. 
So we're talking about, we've been talking about uh, for a long time now here in, in this ministry, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And I think we've hit every one of those subjects. Mm, we have. Dominance, uh, a politically organized community, a government. And then this thing is craft. It's, it's held together. It's authored and held together by a king, by a queen. So these words are the words that I heard. Politically, government, king, and dominant. These are the words that I heard in this definition. I want us to really sound off on some of these definitions because when people think politics, when we think in corrupt, we're thinking it's amazing to me. I get, and that's, I guess what I'm getting at is our culture is formed by what we experience culture in itself as an idea is fluid. So it changes from generation to generation to generation what the normal culture is of a society. Mm -hmm. So something, we were just talking about this, so some things that were culturally normal 40 years ago are completely out the door today. Mm. I, heard, I was listening to American Family Radio today, and a gentleman called in. It was a question and answer session. And um, he called in to, to share an experience. He's an older gentleman. Probably, he's probably my age, maybe a little older. He didn't say, but... Just by the way he talked and what he was talking about led me to believe that. And he was talking about the moon landing. And he said that, you know, they read scriptures up there on the moon, on the moon landing. And everybody thought that was normal. Yeah, right. As part of that. Now, right. if they try to do that today, they'd be torn apart. We've got to be challenged. We've got to start challenging things that, that are not normal. Right. And, and so some people will challenge that by saying, well, what is normal? I love this boy. We're already going somewhere different because you remember what Pontius Pilate said, who was in government and he understood some things. He said when Jesus standing before him, all all thrashed and messed up, Jesus standing before him and Jesus quoted to him and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. You remember what he said? And Pontius Pilate said, yeah, but what is truth? That is such a heavy statement because what is truth? So evidently, this guy had been looking for truth in every arena in different places probably his whole life and never found absolute truth. We're wired, guys. We're wired to search out absolute truth. And when we don't find it, we make up our own absolute truth. And then that becomes culture. And then those who challenge your absolute truth are the outsiders and the, and now the enemy, the enemy. And we're seeing we're this happening now. every single day. I don't know. Y'all just sound off on this stuff because I'm going to say the T word and it's going to make a lot of people angry, maybe. But you know, when president Trump got in office, I have to be honest. I, I got to be honest with you guys in the whole beginning of this thing, I didn't vote for him. Right. I voted for uh, I voted for another guy, another another thing, you know, and when I realized like there is a supernatural force behind this guy, <laughs> that's when I voted for him in the primaries, because I thought to myself, why on earth would I fight against 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 maybe God is, is God behind this? And I believe we found out later he was indeed. But when I when he got in as president. I was amazed because, I mean, again, culture, we were raised Republican. My whole family was. So that's just how we voted. And I was amazed 
when President Trump got in, I was amazed at the corruption that I saw on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the Republican Party was always right. Right? Because, right? because to me, that was what was imparted to me. That's what the normal was. That's what culture said. If you're a Republican and in this, and in this conservative Republican culture, they're just right. They can't do anything wrong. They're not doing what's wrong. The other side's doing what's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And that sets a tone for culture. President, the reason everybody hated President Trump was because he came in and he busted up all the culture. Exactly. He was 100% anti-culture of the moment. Mm -hmm. And he called that the swamp. And it was the swamp. We got a whole bunch of swamp happening out in the world. And we got a whole bunch, don't get mad, a whole bunch of swamp happening in what we call this church. And we see it every day. And I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes it can be actually kind of discouraging <laughs> for somebody that tries to tries my best. And I know you guys do too, tries our best to, to interpret these scriptures and pull out the truth and do it in context and do it so carefully to present this truth that we know and we've experienced. We've seen it happen. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles. We've seen the things. And to present that and then have culture cancel that truth in church is phenomenal. And it can be discouraging. Mm. That's probably um, where we come up with the term that we're hearing all, the, all over the place now, cancel culture. Cancel culture. And we need to, as the church, cancel some culture. Yeah. Uh, you know, light and revelation exposes things. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Culture is inherently fluid. It changes with experience. It changes with opinions, popular opinions, right? So there was kind of a thing going on uh, a year or so ago. It's that was so 2021, <laughs> but it was, it was this statement. It was un, the unpopular opinion. And that has changed from this side to this side. Then it went back to this side and this side and this side. You know what I mean? So the unpopular opinion before was maybe siding with the popular social uh, um, cultures out there now. You know, and now it's ironic because the, the unpopular opinion is now over here in this conservative culture, in a religious culture, in the church culture. Like nobody's popular anymore. <laughs> There's no popular... <laughs> There's no popular opinion of anything, but it's, it's amazing to me because it changes and it adapts to popular experiences and beliefs. Culture is amazing because it is subject to popular opinion. So it's almost like a generation of Pontius Pilots. We could call it the pilot generation out there because everybody's seeking truth. And if they can't find absolute truth, then they'll go create their own. Well, you started out by saying that your culture was formed by your family being, your family was all Republicans. Right. So your, 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 your culture was formed from that belief system. <laughs> I'm going to address that from a totally different perspective because my family, where I grew up in, there was no politics at all. They didn't even vote. Wow. They had no interest whatsoever in the government because they thought they were all crooks and they should all go to jail. Wow. Mine so too. my belief system came from my own life's experiences and with me joining the army shortly after high school, I saw cultures from all over the world. I saw cultures from up north. I saw cultures from 
the Polynesians in Hawaii. I saw the European culture in Germany. I saw the Southern culture when I came down here. So I, I've, I've seen I've seen a lot of different cultures in, in, in seeing how people's belief systems are and what they believe, their, their beliefs of what the truth is. That's pretty amazing because, again, that, that is one of those things. That's one of those, that's one of those culture things between northern, northern folks and southern people. Southern people, I mean, you're a Christian just because you were born, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, really, you were a Christian just because you were born in the south. You voted Republican because you were born in the South. Yeah. Except Arkansas. I have to be honest. I w- I'm from Texas. When we came, when we moved to Arkansas, I've never seen a, a Southern Democratic state in my life. And this state, when we moved here, were, were Clintonites. This was a blue Democratic state. Yet, it was still so religious. I'm sorry, but both of those platforms don't really go together. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting, the culture. Mm. I actually have a story about this. It's making me think about this. Um, talking about the culture around you and just like how we grew up. Um, you know, you go to church and you're a Republican. That's the South, basically, right? Um, I remember I was in college. We were all hanging out and there was um, someone from Chicago there at this party. And uh, he just asked me, you know, like, what do you believe? And I was like, what do you mean what I believe? You know, like, I believe in Jesus, you know? And he was asking me, like, how, like, what party do you stand for, all this stuff? And I was like, well, I'm a Republican. Like, I believe in Jesus. You know, I grew up very conservative, all that stuff. And he bombarded me just asking, well, why do you believe that? Yeah. You know, all yeah. this stuff right. just came at with right. me, all these questions. And right. why do you believe in Jesus? And why is this this? And why is that that? And I'm telling you, we talk about deer, like deer in the headlights. Like I sat there with my mouth open, looking at him. Like, I don't even know what to say. I have no idea how to answer any of your questions. And he actually said that he said, how do you know that you weren't just raised to see that way? And that's all, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I don't know, you know, you're, (laughs) this is, I don't know. Right. You know, you're right. And it's kind of reminded me of, how this quotation right. mark churches too we the the world is coming at them with all these questions and you're right we're wired to know the truth we're wired to seek him to seek god and we have all these questions and everything obviously is going around in the world and we have no idea how to answer this because it's become such a shallow watered down truth and no one knows anything. And, you know, I'm not trying to shout out to the Muslims or give them any kind of credit. But when you go talk to them, they can tell you exactly yeah, what right. they believe, mm-hmm. you, you know. Right. And right, right. So it makes me think about this. But I, I, like the millennial that I am, I went and Googled just preparing for this podcast <laughs> this week. Just like why somebody would leave the Christian faith. Like why... You know, because obviously, know the statistics are not very good for the upcoming generations to come. So I just Googled. I was like, why would you leave the Christian faith? And I I found this and it said they find the Bible's ethical demands personally off-putting or feel the Christ faith isn't morally in line with the current cultural. I cannot say that. Cultural. Cultural. (laughs) How do you say that? (laughs) My gosh, people, I need to go to English class. Uh, Morales. And I thought that, that was so, huge. that was huge. That was just on Google. That's huge. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But that's the total opposite of how it should be. Because they're judging the faith. They're judging Christianity by, by their culture, 
rather than judging the culture by what Christianity says. And that is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's this whole generation. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned hope that, um, you know, we were talking about Republican and political stuff a little earlier about uh, why, why are you a Republican? Because of your culture and where you were born at. You were just born into it. Well, many people who would call themselves Christians were just born into Christianity. They just call themselves Christians. 100%. Because their parents were and their grandmother took them to church and called themselves Christians. So that's what they are. Right. They don't know what a Christian really is. Right. Yeah. They don't I, know what it takes to be a Christian. I love what you said there, too, because you're talking about the dude from Chicago coming and grilling you. Listen, <laughs> here's, here's our problem. Here's, here's our biggest problem is we have raised generations, not just generation. We've raised generations of people, of, of kids, and we've entertained the soup out of them, and we've and we played games, and we played football, and we've done stuff. Listen, and I know this is probably going to sound terrible, but instead of indoctrinating them with belief. Mm-hmm. So people like, yeah. people like, when you come to church, well, I just don't want to be indoctrinated. That's what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. You're not there for a good time. You're not there for a quote-unquote mystical mm-hmm. experience. If you go to a mosque today you're going to get indoctrinated. If you go to BLM, you're going to get indoctrinated. If you go to an LGBTQ, PMNO, the whole thing, if you go to one of their circles, you go into that community, that culture, you're going to get indoctrinated into that culture. Right? So indoctrination is one of those words that's neither good or bad. It is what it is. (laughs) And it creates culture. You get indoctrinated into this, 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 this. And our little spirits are out here. Every last person that got smacked by the doctor and came out of the womb is geared and wired to find truth. Absolute truth. I think it's interesting that you said that, that being challenged on what you believe, we have done a horrible job at indoctrinating, at giving children doctrine and absolute truth so that they can arm themselves, defend themselves with what they believe. And it makes me think of what, Chuck, what you said this last podcast that we were together when you talked about the Jehovah's Witness that came and asked you questions, what do you believe? And you stand there speechless. And I hate to say this, but I guarantee every little believer in this room has had that happen at once at one time in their life. Absolutely. I have. Yeah. I have. I actually had a, I actually had some people come to visit me. I don't even remember why. They came to visit me and they asked me, they said, oh, well, are you saved? I said, well, of course I'm saved. Do you know why? <laughs> because because I'm a Baptist boy and because I'm Republican. Yeah, I'm yeah. saved. <laughs> You guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. Exactly. And, I, and so I'm standing there, and he looked at me. I'll never forget the look on his face. He looked at me perplexed. And he said, well, how do you know? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Because I'm like, well, I mean, I just know. You know what I mean? I just know. I got challenged on something, and I, I had no answers. I remember a certain rabbi that we all know that came, and he, he spoke to all of us at a, at, a, at a service. And he said, you know, Jewish people just laugh at you guys. Because you don't know anything. You claim that this Jesus is the Christ. You claim this Bible. You claim all this stuff. But you don't know nothing about it. That's like a moment of silence right there. Mm-hmm. Because why are we raising generations of children that don't know anything? And you're exactly right. How many conversations we've had along these lines with the other guys in your age group? 
and we're like, what? We're curious. We're like, what happened to you when you when you left high school? What happened to you when you got to college? What happened to you? Because we need to know that. We need to find out why there's a missing generation or two, right? You get out there and you're so unprepared for this world. Man, y'all remember in the 80s, you remember back, if you said you were a Christian, you never got challenged. You actually got respect Mm -hmm. from people all over the place. Even the worst little heathen people, you got respect because, oh, you're a Christian. Okay, gotcha. And they would talk about you, but behind your back, back here somewhere else, right? Right. Today, we're raising generations of people that are getting challenged to their face and they're saying, prove it. And they got, and they got more understand. They know not understanding, but they know more about the Bible than they do. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the thing too. It's coming a day that they're literally talking about how Christians are the problem with them progressing, the world progressing. Uh-huh. So yeah. not only it's not good that we don't know anything, Right. But if we can't back up this truth, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah, because if you can't back up the truth, you're never going to win anybody to Christ that way. Because they're going to have questions that you can't answer, and they're going to say, well, if you can't answer my question, I'll go over here. I'll go over to the mosque and ask them. Yeah, right. I'll go over to that Jehovah Witness knocking on the door over there. Ask them. Because they know what they believe. Right. They know what they believe, and they stand firm on it. And they will not budge. They will not. They it's will their not absolute. Change. It's their absolute. Mm. They will not compromise. The church used to be this way. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't as a Christian, as long as you know where your source is coming from. Right. And your, and your backing is the Bible. Right. But you've got to read it. You've got, and you you gotta gotta know it? you got to read it. You know, in most Christian, and we, this is the way I was raised. You went to church on Sunday. That was it. <laughs> you got yeah. your you got your hour right and then when right you were in church and people were getting fidgety and looking at their watch and says it's time to go yet <laughs> right thinking about chicken and when you really <laughs> think about it or when you start trying to train yourself to be a real christian and you find out what it really takes to be a christian it's very it's a lot of work right. it's very time yeah. consuming because you can't right. just go to church one hour on a sunday right and figure it all out. Right. That Bible is so deep, and the deeper you dig into it, the deeper it gets. There's very few that get the word on Sunday, so. That's true, mm. too. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is, is there's very few people that actually hear the truth. Amen. And, I, you know, I, it takes me back to Pilate again, standing there with Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm here as a representative of the truth. Here I am. Mm. How many people actually, y'all help me here, because how many people, I wonder, were in the world at his time? How many people was in the earth and in his day when he was here on the planet? A fraction of what there is now. I mean, a fraction, right? But here's the deal. He had, he only had 12 guys that were hardcore. We would call them hardcore, that were actual disciples, disciplined followers of Christ. He only had 12 and then even on his resurrection, when he was taken away in the clouds and they met and gathered in the, in the upper room of, of, this, of this other house or whoever's house or wherever they met, there was only a couple hundred. What, like 270, 250? I mean, the numbers change with different people, whoever he asked. Listen, 200 people? How many people were on the planet at that time? 
And here is truth standing in your face. Mm -hmm. And he had miracles and he had signs. He had proof that he was the truth. He was fighting against two cultures, just exactly like we are today. He's fighting against two cultures. There was a culture of the world, and it was a Roman world. Mm -hmm. And it was everything that we experience today. It was, it was homosexuality. Their prostitution was everywhere. In fact, prostitution was actually incorporated into religion. There was free living everywhere that you could. I mean, you could do anything, anywhere, anytime. Until the government actually met and said, wow, that's a little too much. And they would shut it down. I mean, you could do anything, be anywhere, do anything. You want to talk about diversification <laughs> and inclusion. That was Rome. You could be anything, do anything, whatever, as long as you're a Roman citizen. So this was a culture he was dealing with there. He was also dealing with a religious culture that said, we have the truth. We are the truth. I don't know what you're doing, but that's not the truth. How confusing that's, that's got to be when you have one thing that's saying we're the church and we're right, and then you got another remnant piece over here that's saying, um, no, we're the truth and this is what's right. Guys, I'm telling you, and if David Tyler was here, he'd be falling out of his chair right now because why? Because what's going to make the difference? What's going to make the difference is the proof mm -hmm. that we carry the truth. Proof. To a Muslim... It's, it's the audacity to strap a bomb on yourself and go blow something up in the name of jihad and for Allah. To them, that's proof. That's evidence. Right? To a Buddhist, it may be a vision. It may be a quest. It may be some deep spiritual thing that they experience. It's proof that this is the truth. It's amazing. <laughs> we said this earlier. Man, I'm talking a lot. Y'all need to say some more. <laughs> it's amazing to me how experience governs so much stuff. Because experience will govern our culture and our belief system. And here we are. Man, and we are right here at the end of this podcast. So, hey, until next time, stay unplugged. We'll see you next time.